there is no end. I mean, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you get a new idea based on sitting around thinking about the other one, doing the research that you might have had. I mean, that's part of the joy of growing and learning. And at the end, when you do create something, when you know you went through that process, there's a real satisfaction to knowing that you developed that, that you did what it took to get there. If you just said, oh, yeah, I can do it, you go along and do it. But if you think you can't do it and you're scared to do it, but then you go and do it and then you're successful at doing it. Oh, my God, the feeling that you get as opposed to just that regular old, you know, I did it. I pushed myself beyond what I thought I could do. And uh, yeah, that's that's I think that's the best way of making yourself grow is by pushing yourself a little bit, putting yourself on the edge a little bit, you know. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Venture Out, a podcast series from Entrepreneurth that shares the brave stories of Northerners who are inspiring innovation and community well-being through business. I'm your host, Zena Cowan. We are fires across the tundra. Today, I'm talking to Métis entrepreneur Roslyn Mercredi, who is the owner of Down to Earth Gallery and North Soul Glassworks. The gallery was one of the very first places that I checked out when I first visited Yellowknife back in 2016. I remember Googling it and lots of people telling me, you gotta go, it is the best place in town to scope out and buy Northern art. And because the gallery is based in Yellowknife, it's got a really special focus on creations from the Northwest Territories. And when you step inside, it's kind of got this wonderful Narnia-type feeling to it. And you think to yourself, okay, who is the creative genius who conceived of and, and opened this place up? That person is Roz, and you're going to meet her today. She's got this really unique story that involves her venturing off on her own at 45 and essentially starting an entirely new career in entrepreneurship and the arts. And, you know, it's unconventional and, and unorthodox, and it's a really good reminder that life is essentially made up of all of these little moments and components that lead us to where we need to be. And I think that that's what happened to Roz, and that's why I wanted to showcase her story on this podcast. And she also got to a place in her life where she recognized that there was a real need for a business like Down to Earth Gallery that would showcase NWT art, and also carve out space for, for art from the Yukon and Nunavut too. And I think one of the most notable features of Roz is how community-minded and involved she is. I mean, she's just one of those people who is like both feet in, 
you can't be in Yellowknife for long without meeting her and seeing her being active in the community. And this has played a really big part in her professional success. And I think that it's meant consistent buy-in and support from Northerners who believe in the gallery not just as a local business, but as a creative hub that opens doors for people. So I think that you're really going to enjoy Raz's story because she shows that there are just so many different paths we can take towards entrepreneurship and it doesn't have to be linear. And if you've got a clear heart-centered vision and you're wanting to be of service to others, you're well on your way. So let's jump in. Hey, Roz, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself and share where you're from? All right. So I'm uh, Rosalind Mercury. I'm from, I'm, I started to say I'm from the North. I've been up North most of my life, 45 years, I guess I've been up here. But originally my, uh, I'm from, I came from Edmonton. My parents are made, my mom is, my dad's made tea from Saskatchewan and my my mom is a Slovak. I don't know how that got together from North Halford. And, uh, but I raised in Edmonton. I came up a couple times at North first to work at the summer. I had a, met a friend who was her parents who were going to school in Edmonton. So I met her and I came up to visit her in the summer. And then I ended up getting married and, you know, a northerner and we came back. So that's kind of that's your story. So when I was young, I was I did art school and I remember being recommended to go to the BAM School of Fine Arts from my art teacher. And then, of course, instead of doing anything in our family, though, we're like working people, you know, nobody became an artist, got a job as an artist, right? You know, unless you had something else going on. So I uh, never did that, really proceeded with that. But then, of course, I got married, did all those things, got married at 18, you know, had a kid, you know, before I was 20, moved up north. There was a need to, to uh, work. And, of course, became a single parent before I was 30. So career became the focus. But even through all that time, I got as young, I did lots of painting and then, of course, sewing. I was always sewing for everybody, like my neighbors. I did trades for sewing. And then um, and then we moved to Yellowknife and I still working for the government. I started out in the government as I took a clerk typist program. It kind of helps in the story because then from there, I got my first government job as a clerk. But through the course of my government life, I ended up as a director. So I worked all through the system, never really having a degree. I did take certified general accounting courses to become better at my job that I was doing so I could get promoted. So which, of course, that helps in the longer run of when you have a business later on is that financial background that I had from those other days. And part of my other job was also community development. So all those kind of things, all those little components of your life anyways, is what I'm trying to say, come to a point where they're useful in whatever your next. So when I was 45, I decided I was a director with the government. I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to, I wanted to be an artist. So Roz, I, can we just pause there? Cause that is an enormous shift to say, I'm going to leave my full-time GNWT job and I'm going to become a full-time artist. Like who yeah. does that? 
And Tell- Eliza, <laughs> that was funny because when I actually did that, and I remember when I was leaving, had the goodbye party, all the cards were like, you're so courageous and and all those things. And and there was there was a point to where I I had a house and I had this good job and I had like my dream home. I decided that I, if I'm going to do it, if I'm going to leave, I negotiated a layoff, which was great. But then I had to sell my house, which people said, first they said, take a year off, you know, and then come back. And I thought if I do that, I'll probably come back because, you know, you're, you're going to hit some hard times and then you can just go back. Right. Or I, some people said, rent out your house. And I thought, same thing. I, I love the house. I can, you know, so I just thought I'd just cut the ties. I sold the house, you know, quit the job and I went to the Yukon. So you had your dream house here in Yellowknife. Yeah. You had the yeah. cushy job and you knew that if you just took a year off from the GNWT, you'd probably, well, the chance might be that you would go back. So you knew yes. I've got to cut ties and I'm moving to the Yukon. Yeah. A friend of mine bought a house there in some little town, Pharaoh, Yukon, like this little ghost town pretty much. So he said, why don't you go stay in that house? And I said, okay. He was living up in Nuvik or Paltuck then or something. And I said... I thought, well, that's a good opportunity. So, yeah, so I did it. (laughs) So, just like that, off Roz goes to Faroe Yukon, which has a population of maybe a thousand people to really delve into her art practice, which is primarily glasswork. During this time, she was connecting with the arts community in the Yukon, which is super strong. And this opened her up to a really vibrant network of people. And she was getting feedback on her work. And she was also seeing just how powerful the arts can be as an industry here in the North. And this is another good reminder for me, and and hopefully for all of you too, that when we surround ourselves with like-minded people who inspire us and who are doing what we want to be doing, we're able to more fully commit to our dreams because we see that there, there are possibilities. And, you know, if those people are doing it, I can do it too in my own way. So this was all a very affirming chapter for Roz, and it was clear to her that she had made the right decision to to take this leap of faith. So eventually, she found her way back to her home here in the Northwest Territories and back to Yellowknife, and she was determined to continue making and selling her art. So she moved into this really lovely little cabin just off of Franklin Avenue in the Yellowknife neighborhood of Old Town. And this next part of the story, I think, really encapsulates Roz's innovative thinking. So at the time, there just weren't enough galleries or places in town for her to sell her glass art. And she was also having her own ideas about how Northern artists could be elevated and brought together. So with a little help from her friends, who she'll talk about, she decided to open up her own gallery in the front part of her log cabin while she was living in the back. 
Roz, you opened Down to Earth Gallery in Yellowknife's iconic community of Old Town, which is colorful and eclectic, and I feel like it's known for its vibrant people and the little houseboating community. And honestly, I can't imagine Old Town without your gallery. And it's indicative of just how much um, businesses can shape and add color to different places. Um, so for folks who don't know Old Town, how would you describe it? Well, Old Town is, is like its own little community, I think. And I always think that even our street, I used to like it because our street is a dirt road in front of the gallery. You know, the pavement, the big main road is over on the side. When you turn down our road, it's a like a dirt road. And I always think you could just get that that dirt road community, small town feel, you know, people riding their bikes, people are waving, people are talking, people are helping each other. And I think that's kind of old town in general. I mean, you have just, a, it's a group of people who, you know, work together on all kinds of things and just enjoy that same, I don't know, the aesthetic of music and community and art and, and uh, adventurism, you know, just trying new things. I think that's, uh, that's one thing too about the gallery that has been really good is that, you have that community. So, and that's part of how we've been operating is that because it's like a family, I guess, down to earth gallery, I would say. So if we have an idea for something, like we first started the gallery officially, what I did was I called in six other artists. Uh, after I'd been there for a couple of years, I thought I'm going to make a, a gallery space. That's So I called in six other artists from around town. And I knew some from old town, some from whatever, just to find a this little eclectic mix of, different artists so we started with six artists we, we brainstormed the name and but it's been good in that anytime we have an idea for things uh if i if someone says oh, let's start let's start you know i don't know if we used to do an isolation art show every year and so you get it'd be like all of a sudden you'd have these people who are part of your old town family would just come in and you know do whatever needed to be done participate help set up there's always it's not like having to find a group of people to do something because as soon as somebody says, let's, let's do, you know, there's, there's like, we they're started, there. they're there. Exactly. We started the Ramblin' Ride Festival, same thing, kind of walked around one day and I talked to um, Darren Lust used to have a bookstore down in Old Town. And I said, we should start Old Town Festival. And he said, yeah, that's a good idea. And he went and walked around. He talked to other businesses. And next thing you know, we started the Old Town Ramblin' Ride and we have, you know, that's been 15 years of that festival you know, it was just that whole idea of how do you, small things can become big things. And uh, and it's easy to do when when you're doing it with a bunch of people who are like-minded and, and interested. So yeah, it was, it was a good location for us to be when we started because of that support. And Roz, like, take me back. You're in this, um, so you've now found this beautiful little building in Old Town. You've moved into it. It's your home you're connecting with all of these amazing local peeps and um, you decide at 50, whatever, however old you are in your 50s, let's open up a gallery. Like again, that's, I mean, yes, you're an artist, but opening up a gallery requires a, a, a whole other skill set. So part of the part of the thing was when I came back from the Yukon and I had some things in galleries in the Yukon and I went around to see galleries in, in Yellowknife and there wasn't that many, but I went to see them. And, you know, some people took a couple of things and I thought to myself, I won't be able to make a living with just this few little things at these little galleries. And 
So that was part of the reason for just starting my own. I'll just say, okay, then I'll just start my own gallery and I can put as much as I want in there. And, you know, uh, that was sort of the initial thought. I mean, there's more, I guess there's more to it, but then calling in the other artists was a way of, of organizing that. So you wouldn't be alone and you get a little variety. And that, that brought a nice bunch of a skill, different skill set too. I mean, we had a potter and we had a, a quilter and we had a painter and we had a basket maker and photographer. So everybody pitched in at first, all the people brought in their old furniture. They brought in whatever old cupboards, shelves we bought, you know, went to the, the government warehouse and got a credenza and painted it gold. We still have that hanging up. You know, we have a CD rack that's painted for to hang, you know, different things on. So it's kind of like a mishmash of just getting things and setting up, you know, uh, we painted, we all painted the walls and brightened it up. So everybody was kind of doing that. So it wasn't like, there was no really investment required. I mean, I was living in the back, so paying the rent. So that made that a bit easier. So I think that, just all helped in how we uh, how we came together. And I had that accounting background. So even though we didn't have really systems, we just had spreadsheets and how we, you know, dolled out commissions and things, but it was all in writing you know, on spreadsheets and just you know, receipt books. And, but it was a little system. We set up a system. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, wow. It just kind of, it just kind of came together like that really. It was, and then we started getting more artists. And we first, when we first started to, everybody was on consignment because we couldn't really afford to right. to buy things at first. So, I mean, that started with the consignment. And then as we got more established and a little bit more income, and as, you know, then we could start buying, buying from uh, local people. Like, I think when we started, we had the six artists. And when right now we have about 140 artists. And, and the majority, little- the majority are women, hey? Majority are women, for sure. Uh, everybody had, well, part of our little thing about it is you have to live in the north to sell there if people come if people sometimes people are you know really good artists and we really like having them but then they move away so we give them six months and then they have to not sell there anymore yeah that was part of our little you know we haven't got a lot of rules but that's kind of the, one of them so I just think it's so beautiful to think of how the gallery has evolved from this sort of, you know, the original six and everyone coming together and bringing their own pots and pans and ladders. And and now it's become this full-fledged gallery that brings a lot of support, like probably more than you might be willing to admit um, to different artists all across the North. How would you say that the vision of Down to Earth Gallery has evolved over the years? And like, what is the vision of it for you today? I think that I love the gallery in that it showcases, for me, has to showcase Northern art and Northern artists, right? That to me is our, our most important thing we put forward. And then in doing that, what, co- what flows from that is different ways that we can also be community-minded. Part of that is by having like the anonymous art show that we've done for like, I don't know, 10 years now, I guess. It brings together like 170 or maybe 150 artists who do you know, these, these anonymous art pieces that, are, and that has, you know, just all those kind of things that we do as a community, whether it's sometimes if there's an event, we'll, you know, it was Art of Good to Gains one year and we built a snow sculpture outside or Ramblin' Ride, you know, we'll do a, workshops and things outside or we, just kind of participating in the community and showing that and that's a way of bringing people into the gallery to see other people's things but it's also a way of us just showing our support for the community of old town and yellowknife and artists as a whole so 
keeping it interesting and, and keeping people thinking that you're, that they can come in and talk. It's a, uh, it's a good place to be. And you have regulars who come in and you have people who kind of count on you for some of their income. And uh, it's kind of a mixed bag sometimes of, of, can you, you know, finding the balance of, can you afford things like right now, especially in the last year, right. Is, can you afford to buy people's crafts? And we've had, times of course for the first few years i'm trying to going into a different subject here so oh, i'm with you you <laughs> baby you just go i'll follow you <laughs> so when we first started of course as i said we couldn't afford to buy people's crafts and as we started getting a little more money we started getting people coming in and we could buy you know we could buy things and i thought you would pay you would pay upfront cash up front, yeah, yeah yeah and then we, but we'd mark it up differently and um but i found that in that way people coming in and selling their crafts most of the time is because they need the money. And so it's kind of a hard one sometimes, you know, I mean, you're a small gallery, you can't afford a lot, a lot of the times, but you also have people with stories that, that need, you know, they need things. You get people coming in from a community, buying school supplies and buying school shoes for the kids to go to school. And, and so how can you not say, yeah, I'll buy your, you know, I'll buy whatever you have. We get a lot of people coming from so the communities to come in and stay for medical and they'll walk down and, you know, eight months pregnant to sell, you know, some slippers or some gloves or, I mean, you love talking to those people. I love talking to people in the communities. I love what they're, what they're, what they're selling and just their stories. But sometimes, you know, as a business owner, sometimes you just can't have really afford to overextend how much you gotta keep in mind, always what your, what your income is and, it's just so nice. I mean, you get the elders coming in and they have their moccasins or, or whatever, you know, different things. And you talk to people and you get to know people really well. We have some ladies from Fort Providence that come in all the time and, and uh, yeah, you're happy to see them, right? So it's just, that's, that's a good feeling when you get the, especially the community people when they're coming in with their stuff in it and you, uh, and you can see the different designs of what people make and the different styles of what people make. Lots of times you have elders coming in with their grandchildren and they're, you know, going together and they're selling their things. So, all those things are, um, I don't know, I just find it, uh, it brings you closer to whatever's being made. And and when, so when you sell things, then you can tell that story. I think that's what I enjoy the most about the gallery, I guess, is when people come in from somewhere else and sometimes you have time, right? There's not that busy there. So you'll have people and you can tell them about, this is made from hometown moose hide. And this is caribou hide. This is a moose hide, moose hair tufting as opposed to a caribou hair tufting and how it feels. Or you can show them, you know, this is uh, a musk ox horn and this is moose horn. And, you know, this is fish scales. You, know, you get all those things that people that we that we make here and and people are really interested in and uh, and then you know identify different areas that actually make different types of things and different styles and different patterns and sharing that with people and and I think people appreciate that when they when they hear the story behind what they're buying When you step into Down to Earth Gallery, the very first thing you see is this wall filled with colorful posters of community events and past art shows 
which lets you know right away this is not some stale place where you just come and look at art or or buy souvenirs. Like this is a hub where people get together and have memorable experiences with one another through art activations. So that's kind of right away that energy hits you. And then you step inside the gallery and there are multiple rooms that feature beautifully, really thoughtfully curated pieces of art from across all three territories. So you've got brightly beaded slippers and jewelry. There's tufted pieces. There's paintings and photography and ceramics. And then you'll also see some larger, very special works, like a gun case made from small pieces of home-tanned moose hide that have been sewn together, or like a four-foot birch bark canoe, which you know, might sit there for a couple of years and then somebody will come in and say, this is the piece I've been looking for my whole life. And then to round it out, the gallery also carries um, other small local products, which I think bring in a whole different crowd of consumers who who are wanting to shop local and, and get the stuff that they need on a, on a weekly or monthly basis. I don't know. We have so many things... <laughs> I can't even, uh, we have products. So we have like the, some ladies in the North make everything from chaga tea, hand lotions, beard oils, soaps. We have the locally roasted coffee, uh, all kinds of teas. Some people come in because they're coming to get coffee. They're coming to get their regular favorite, you know, bar soap or their favorite skincare product or something or and then some people are coming in to just look at souvenirs or some people are coming in to to look at the artwork for their own you know homes or I don't know I I find that everything in the gallery is kind of like you have you have a feeling for it you know you can go in I mean I know who if I look at the name I know who made it all right I mean there's very few that I don't know who they are or haven't met that person as in some way because the way we do our art one in the gallery, like we can't go to any shows and buy a bunch of stuff and get it shipped up. It's all about the artist contact. How do you how do you want to sell it? What's your pricing? Talking, giving people almost like a little workshop sometimes on how do you price things? Maybe you should price it higher more. Roz, hearing you describe everything that the gallery is and does. I really understand its enormous value and specifically what it brings to the Northern Arts community. Like just even you saying that you'll get on a phone with an artist and support them as they work through their pricing and that you'll let them know, actually, I think that you're underselling your work. I mean, there are just so many galleries out there that aren't fair to artists, especially Indigenous artists, and that don't have their best interests in mind. I think because we are, uh, we're small, and because I am an artist myself, I don't want... Right, there's that piece too, you're an artist, you get it. So I don't want to rip anybody off. And it's unfortunate sometimes that we can't afford to buy it. I mean, you got to find that balance when, when we can't really, there's something really, really good. And I probably... You know, maybe we're low on sales at whatever for a while or, you know, because we're not really a big money maker gallery. We're kind of like, you know, we make enough, but, you know, so if something's, you know, somebody needs a, you know, a bigger sales and, and if I can't afford it, I find it. And they're always willing to, the trouble is, and then they'll say, well, I'll sell it for, 
I'll go cheaper, right? And that to me is just so so heartbreaking. So then I end up buying things <laughs> that we probably, okay, you guys, we're not gonna, not gonna have more volunteers working this week, but whatever. <laughs> Let's crank that heat down a bit, you know? <laughs> I don't Sorry, like the go. <laughs> yeah. I don't really like, uh, that's why I'm the softest, you know, they just know sometimes they ask for me, is Rosalind there? They'll tell the girl at the desk, because I can say a note and say, don't buy anything this week. <laughs> but if I'm there myself, I'm like, <laughs> I can't fly. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to hide in the back, you know, and just pretend <laughs> I'm not there. <laughs> if I'm serious. <laughs> but then I'll think, oh, what is it? And then she'll come back, oh, some lady came in and she's selling this. Oh, what is it? To show in the community, oh well, I should better go look. Just wait, I'll go look, and then we're back. Well, and if and if it's like the piece, like you know that gun case that you're describing, I mean, you don't see that every day, so yeah, you're exactly. also probably thinking, what if I miss my chat? What is it? What is it? I just want to see it, anyways. Yeah, I know. So that's that's the uh, that's the other ticket there. So. The gallery has become really well known over the years for certain events. And one of them, maybe the biggest, is your anonymous art show. And I want to know a little bit about it. How does it work? So we've been doing the anonymous art show, I guess, 10 years. I think it came from France, saw something like it in a flyer in Vancouver or something. We came back and she said, look at this. So I, we looked at it and we said, okay, let's, let's do it. So we ordered, it was like, well, you get, we order one, well, the first year we ordered 100. Now we order about 200 canvases. So six inch square canvases, kind of a deep canvas. And we sell these canvases for $6 now. And people get them. We give out, we gave out 175 canvases in the last show last year during COVID, which I thought we were gonna, almost going to cancel. People were saying, are you doing the, art, the anonymous art show? So what they do is people get the canvases. They do whatever they want to them. So we've had painted canvases we've had beaded canvases we've had chainsaw blades stuck on a canvas we've had 3d coming out felted we've had i don't know i think you name it we've had that canvas of some sort of wooden i don't know we had people flip them over and do them like shadow boxes so you can do whatever you want to this canvas but you don't sign it you sign the back and then we do a show so we take down all the art in our in our second our biggest gallery space, we gallery closes at at you know four thirty. We close gallery that day. We take down all the art and hang a hundred and seventy of these. hundred. We had up to hundred ninety five of these little canvases. Wow! It's, it's a loved show. Like so, seven o'clock that evening. Then we'll have our opening. And I thought in twenty nineteen when we had the show, when I opened the doors, there were seventy five people outside standing in line to get in. I mean, people will call me, are you going to do it again? All the time I hear about this anonymous art show, the people, and there's so many secret artists. The first year we did it, it blew me away, the talent of the art. We think we had 100 canvases the first year. And then we sell them. We sell them for $80, and the artist will get 60 and the gallery keeps 20 Pretty much just for the cool. wine and cheese party in the back. You know, that's pretty much our wine and cheese party. But, yeah, it's just, it's just like, oh, when they start coming in, 
It just the first year just blew, it still blows me away every time. Uh, but I just think it's it's people all walks of life. We've had kid paintings. We've had my mother did a painting, you know, one year if she sent one up. So we, if people want to send them up, we've had them from Saskatchewan, from BC, the Yukon, people sending them over uh, from the communities, Simpson and Smith. And it's a community event that I think people love and it gets so many community people involved. Yeah. And people, and people, we're all as artists, you know, we're pretty hard on ourselves, especially when you're beginning, you're hard on ourselves. You know, well, that's not that good. That's not that good. And then, but you don't realize how many people will love it. We had one year, we had this painting of, uh, it was a puppy. It was a puppy. It was painted by this 12 year old girl. It was so good. Uh, it sold like in the first like 10, 10 pieces, the lighting on that little puppy, the whole thing of that this girl, I don't know where she is now, that little girl 12. So I know the people who bought the painting and it's hanging in their house. But, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. And, and it, you know, bringing those, those talents out and realizing you can be part of a show. And, and you know, lots of people tell me, oh, yeah, I painted more after that. Or, you know, so it's mm. nice. To, and I think I was probably one of those, you know, closet painters too, back when I was younger, you don't really want it. So having, not having to sign it, not having people know it's yours, is is a pretty, makes it a little bit easier, you know, on your on your ego as you you know put things out there one year my 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 wife said this little my mother did one one year and she was 80 then and she sent one up and it was like this i actually have it now but i was gonna buy it you know and then somebody else bought it and i looked at it and there's a red dot on the darn thing and i thought well oh well i guess i'll you know i'll get she'll get her make me another one or something and then when i told her that somebody bought her painting like she said, was it you? I said, no, it wasn't even, it wasn't me. And honest to God, she was so happy. I mean, she told everybody, she said, you know, somebody bought her art piece, you know, $80 for this little piece, you know? So, I mean, I ended up having to track that down the next year, that buy that painting back, but, you know, <laughs> but it, it's those feelings that people get is what's, you know, and the stories they get after, or they'll come in the gallery, you know, meet the hairdresser who just submitted some, or, you know, just different people who are, and some people become, you know, go to the next, you know, go to the next level of painting, and they'll, you know, become more of the yellow knife painters, but some of the first work I saw of theirs was at the Anonymous Art Show. Yeah, and I know that for quite a few people, the Anonymous Art Show is their creative debut, and it just awakens that artistic spirit within them that they carry forward. And I just love that Down to Earth Gallery, like even the name, is really a celebration of all the different kinds of people who live in the North. And it's a celebration of their talents. Really, the reason it works is because, because of the community of Down to Earth Gallery, because of the people who are there who step up when we have it, you know, we come and hang pictures, we come and drill holes, we come and we have people who fix things, you know, we have people who, you know, there's just that group of people that will come forward as soon as we have an event, there's, I don't, don't really have to worry. Sometimes we'll have a discussion, no, let's not do it, no, 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 no. I said, okay, we're going to do it. And then, you know, there's nobody backpedaling, they're right up there stepping in and doing what, whatever. And that's what I think gallery, why we're a success too, is that because of that community of that I call it the family of Down to Earth Gallery, you know, that that are just there for whatever needs to be done. Or if somebody can't show up, somebody will, you know, show up. Or, I mean, that's, I think that's an important thing. And that's, you know, and how we build that in our community. You're a family. Yeah. And, and exactly. everybody sort of is, is willing to do something. Yeah, exactly. Roz, like just hearing you share what the gallery's 
growth has been obviously like you've been well surrounded by people and family over the years, but it's also like taken a lot um, for you as a person to sort of keep the gallery going. What is like one of the most important things that you've learned as a business owner and as a gallery owner over the last couple of years? I think there's a few things, I guess. I think that there's a even though we're kind of seems like we're kind of lackadaisical, you know, we're a pretty easygoing bunch, but there is also a key bunch of systems that we have. So there's a, there's a certain level of operating that you have to do. And I think if, if that's set up well, like we went to a computerized point of sale system about three years ago. And uh, actually we got it from the, uh, the Yukon was doing one and from there, one of their art centers there. And they told us about it and I had a demo from them and we started ordered it for our gallery. So we came in that, and that, that is like, that's been like a game changer for, you know, now we scan things and put codes on things. But the first. Ross, before months, were, were you guys just writing everything? Writing, everything had a receipt. We wrote it down, wow. whose name. Then we all put it on a spreadsheet at the end of the month. I and mean, then we wow. did little cards. Every person had a little card that we'd write their sales on. And then, you know. <laughs> game so changer. Yeah, exactly. That was, that was, uh, yeah, that was something. I mean, it's, I can't even imagine going back. But even when we were doing it, though, we were implementing it. We're all a bunch of people who are not really tech savvy on this thing. And we had this poor guy and, and uh, Prince George was our contact for this program, for the software and everything. And so he was walking us. <laughs> I felt sorry for that poor guy, but anyway, we got it. <laughs> he would try, okay, let me just take over your screen here. And then he would <laughs> probably hopeless. Uh, yeah. That, but yeah, that's, that's made life so much easier. It gives us better reporting. We, we always know exactly what we know. Oh, everybody, every day. Um, that's uh, that's a, that's been a really good system. <laughs> I love it when a business owner discovers a system or a program that just simplifies and organizes their operations, so that they have more time to do what it is they really love. And you're right, there's never a bad time to implement something new that will make your life easier, even if there is that initial learning curve. Roz, all this time, you're basically balancing owning the gallery and your work as a professional artist. How do you make space for those two things and essentially those two businesses to coexist? Sometimes I got to remind myself, I didn't start the gallery to make money. I started the gallery to sell my art. And then other people's art is great. It takes care of itself in that way. But if I get too big, then you end up spending more time problem solving, doing whatever has to be done and managing. And sometimes I got to stop myself. I think I'm kind of a driven person in some ways. You know, it's like when you got the government job and I you know, took courses to keep moving up. You know, I ran for town councils in Smith. I've, you know, always been on boards, all these kind of things. So sometimes you got to stop yourself and say, okay, when it comes to the gallery, I don't want it to take over my life or I don't want it to be the most important thing. Well, so. especially when you're also a professional artist and it brings you a lot of joy and you know, I want to be dedicating X number of hours per week to my own art. Yeah. And, and um, like the, the work that you do with glass 
is incredibly involved. Um, and if anybody, I'm going to drop some links in the show notes here so that folks can look at um, your work, Roz. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like you create these immensely detailed glass creations that take, you know, months and hours and hours and hours. And I know that it also just brings you a lot of joy, especially at this time in your life. And you've got this studio set up in the back of the gallery and you want that to continue. Yeah, exactly. And I never wanted the, uh, I don't want the gallery to take over that. I don't want to be a big company. I don't want to be a bigger gallery. Maybe somebody will take it over someday and, and go to that level because that's what they want to do. But to me, I want to, I want to be the, the art, the art component is probably more important. Somebody asked me at the other day, if, would you rather have the, do you rather do your own art or do the gallery? And I had to say, I'd rather do my own art at this point. I mean, I like the gallery. I'm proud of the gallery. I'm, I think it's needed all those things, but still what, what I really want to be was to do my do art and, uh, yeah. So, I mean, if I had to choose, I would choose art. Yeah. It's not easy to fulfill your dreams when you're pulled in too many different directions. And I think it takes a lot of discipline and clarity to choose something and acknowledge this is my priority because it fills me up in a way that nothing else does. And I think once you've made that choice, then you can set better boundaries for the other parts of your life, like the gallery, which you absolutely love. Roz, what is your message to Northerners who are entering the world of entrepreneurship and they're preparing to start a business? I think you have to, um, even when I started, I think part of it is, is giving yourself a break, you know, and, uh, you know, letting yourself and that there's going to be a little bit of fail, but that doesn't mean it's failure. It's just sometimes you have to re part of that process of, of doing something wrong and redeveloping it is a good process. It makes it when you have to think through things that went wrong and figure out how it works. And then you go to that next. I mean, that's part of the, the joy of developing your, any of your thing of yourself, whether it's artwork, whether it's a business, whether you're just working on a project. I think if you're having to think it through and, and rework it and, and, and uh, some failure is fine because everybody makes mistakes or doesn't, doesn't quite work the first time, but that's how you learn better the second time. I mean, it's not about making a mistake and then quitting. If that happens, then, you know, but you have to make a mistake and then you, I don't know, I, I've always figured that I've learned more from making a mistake than I have from reading a book and figuring out how to do it, right? Or, you know, develop an idea based on that one didn't work, but this next one, oh, now I would do it this way and it's way better, you know? So that's the, that's the process of, of developing anything is, is working through all the, the wrongs and the rights to, to get to something you really want. And even after that, it's still going to be developed to the next level. Everything you learn as you go along is just a stepping stone for whatever comes next. That's You're, in, you never reach the, there is no end. There is no end. I mean, sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you get a new idea based on sitting around thinking about the other one, doing the research that you might've had. I mean, that's part of the joy of growing and learning. And that's just like the, at the end, when you do create something, when you know you went through that process, there's a real satisfaction to knowing that you developed that, that you did what it took to get there. If you're not, I used to have a saying kind of like, if you're not, if you don't feel scared and if you don't feel like it, you know, a little bit of uh, apprehension about doing something, but you almost think you'd have those feelings so that when you try it and you, you won't, you won't have the same euphoria 
if you just said, oh yeah, I can do it, you go along and do it. But if you think you can't do it and you're scared to do it, but then you go and do it and then you're successful at doing it. Oh my God, the feeling that you get as opposed to just that regular old, you know, I did it. I pushed myself beyond what I thought I could do. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's the best way of making yourself grow is by pushing yourself a little bit, putting yourself on the edge a little bit, you know? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like just kind of uh, getting comfortable living on the edge because with the with the knowledge that like the whole purpose is the growth it's not about the final product it's about um that process of developing yourself and um nothing beats putting something out there in the world even if it's imperfect but putting it out there and seeing other human beings interacting with it whether it's art or a business or whatever and you're like wow this is actually something I think that's been sort of a theory of mine from all the things that I've been doing. I read that. And I thought that's what you really have to do. You have to be a little scared. You have to be a little worried. I think that's a, I think that's kind of been one of my, uh, a little bit of a mantra in my head, you know, be scared, you know, don't be always so comfortable. And sometimes you're comfortable once in a while, you got to push yourself that little bit extra, you know? So. I am so with you, Roz, completely. Um, I want to thank you for taking time out of your super busy day as a full-time artist and gallery owner and new grandma to chat with me. And I know that you were maybe not ambivalent about this interview, but you were like, well, I'll give it a shot. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this person is amazing. And I want people to hear your story and to hear your incredible perspectives on arts development and entrepreneurship too. So thank you for taking that little risk to do this interview. Yeah, thanks. It was, uh, of course, a little scary, of course. This morning I couldn't sleep. How will I answer these questions? I don't know. It might be boring, you know, and all those things. Because <laughs> we all think of ourselves as, you know, just plugging along, I guess. Roz, so, uh, you are Roz, you are anything but boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, I guess. <laughs> anything yeah, no, but it boring. Good, it good. Yeah, it was good. It was enjoyable. I mean, now you made it easy. You made it easy. My name is Violet Martin. I'm originally from Bishakon, and I live here in Dillon with my husband, 38 years. And I started sewing when I was 10 years old, and I'm still sewing. Down to Earth Gallery is a beautiful, oh my goodness, that place, it looks like museum, <laughs> how you say it. It looks so beautiful inside. And she's got lots of stuff from basically from all up north. Basically everything. Purses, wallet, change purse, telephone case, knife case. She, I think she's got two of my hats. Yeah, basically everything. I do a lot of sewing stuff, so... She's got most of my craft. She's she's a really soft 
target person. And she's really, I don't know how to explain. When I need help, she helps me a lot. She, she makes me cry with joy. But she helps me really good, and she helps a lot of other people too. As soon as I asked her if she would be willing to share a few words about Roz and the gallery, there was no hesitation. She was like, yeah, count me in. So Masicho, Violet, and um, thanks to everybody for spending some time with Rosalind and me today. Um, you won't find Down to Earth Gallery online. You got to check it out in person, which means if you're not in Yellowknife, you got to make a plan to come up here when it's safe, and Down to Earth Gallery will be waiting for you. Venture Out's production team includes myself and Travis Mercredi, who happens to be Rosalind's amazing son. We love you, Travis. Uh, our theme song is called Fires Across the Tundra, and it's by the one and only Den and Day's Leela Gilday. Our next episode features Clincho entrepreneur Jamie Stevenson, who is the owner of Jamie Stevenson Photography. And her major claim to fame is her smoking hot boudoir photo shoots. She's got a really active uh, Facebook group and Instagram account that you can follow to see just some of the stuff that she's doing. I mean, clients from all across the North are booking these ultra hot and very body-affirming sessions with Jamie. And she's just creating this amazing visibility for human beings who are stepping into their power and wanting to get sexy and sultry in their own way here in the North. Um, you're going to love Jamie. She's also like super young. She's in her early 20s and she's just done so much so far with her business. So come back and hear her next time. You can find Venture Out on all your favorite podcast platforms. And if you like what you're hearing, please give us a rating. We'd love to hear from you so you can reach out through Entrepreneur's Instagram and Facebook, or you can send us an email at podcast at entrepreneurth.ca. See you next time. We are-